so you said arson bro so you used to and we'll, we'll probably get more into this later on so you're talking about arson like seminary like the uh pentecostal you can see yeah. all right so were you so you were pre were you previously pentecostal or were you just like curious as to um oh so i guess nick didn't really tell you no i guess why he referred me to you so i am trinitarian now yeah, at, um, Presbyterian. I guess if I have to stick to a denomination, but um, you have I was raised. I was raised apostolic. Yes, so I was fifth, I'm fifth generation apostolic in my family. the apologetic apostolic where the mission is to listen my name is matt if you're new here i want to invite you to follow us on instagram and facebook as well as subscribe to our youtube channel at the apologetic apostolic our twitter is at underscore ta squared underscore and give us a visit on our website subscribe to our email list and get you and a loved one some nice ta squared merch at the apologetic apostolic.com Today's episode is the first of three episodes where you get to eavesdrop on a conversation between myself and Andrew Elliott. Andrew is going to give us the details of his journey from growing up as a oneness Pentecostal and to later adopting the Trinitarian view of the Godhead. So just to remind everyone where we stand on the Godhead here at the Apologetic Apostolic, we unwaveringly believe in the absolute numerical oneness of God and reject the Trinity. With our beliefs being so different, you could expect a heated debate, right? Well, yes, but not in this series of episodes. So if you're a oneness Pentecostal listening to this podcast, I pray that it removes the false assumptions that surround your Trinitarian friends' beliefs and make for more productive conversations with your neighbors. And if you're a Trinitarian listening to this podcast, I pray that you feel well represented and enjoy a peek into the world of Oneness Pentecostalism that Andrew outlines as being a former Oneness Pentecostal and myself as still being part of that world. If you're not part of either of these camps and want to just hear a great conversation, I hope that you get cozy and enjoy two guys talking about everything from theology, pizza, and dad jokes. So, without further rabbit trails, let's hear Andrew's story. Hope you guys enjoy. Let's go. conversation and then I'm going to turn on you know midway through and I know people that do it nothing wrong nothing's wrong with it it's just it ain't it ain't me you know I just I feel you yeah uh so bro where are you up so where are you from I'm from North Carolina just a little west of Charlotte in this little town called Belmont and uh I know where that is I've lived a couple places though so I live in St. Louis so I went to Urshan College for a while and um, really? yeah, I did. Now, for one semester, I came back home. I was like, I don't like this. But <laughs> um, I lived back home here for a few years. And on my job, I got promoted and I relocated to Dallas, Texas. And then when my wife and I had our little girl, we moved back here to just outside of Charlotte. 
All right, awesome, man. Yeah, and I love uh, – so that is <clears> – you said North Carolina. Charlotte, you're in South Carolina now, then. So I was in Columbia when I first came back from Dallas, but I'm actually back up pretty much right beside Charlotte. Nice. So Charlotte's in North, yeah, Charlotte's in North Carolina. Dude, I love it. I love it up there. I love those. I like the beachy vibe. I mean, because it is like one thing. I don't know if it is like that where you, when I went to, we went to a Hilton Head, that area. Yeah. So I, I maybe, I don't know how far that is from you guys because I have like a first grade education when it comes to geography. Um, I went to school longer. I just, I stopped paying attention with geography in first grade. So, um, but every time. No I beach is where I am, but every beach you'd want to go to is max four hours away. So it's not a bad That's trip. Cool. To go. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> so you said Urson, bro. So you used to, and we'll, we'll probably get more into this later on. So mm -hmm. you're talking about Urson, like seminary, like the, uh, Pentecostal UPC. Yeah. All right. So yeah. were you, so you were, pre, were you previously Pentecostal or were you just like curious as to, um, Oh, so I guess Nick didn't really tell you, no, I guess why he referred me to you. So I am Trinitarian now. Yeah. At, um, Presbyterian, I guess if I have to stick to a denomination, but, um, you I was raised, denomination. I was raised apostolic. Mm -hmm. Yes. So I was fifth, I'm fifth generation apostolic in my family. So Dude, I'm 30 so now. Sorry. Yeah, I know. And that's why I think I, um, he sent me your video that you had done with the, the guy from ALJC where yeah. you responded to Nick's, uh, Instagram yeah, post. Yeah. And I was like, Hey man, cause I've helped him with stuff in the past, but I was like, Hey, the best person, I wasn't trying to brag on myself. I'm like, the best person to have dialogue with this guy is someone who used to be apostolic. Cause oh, like you said in that post, if you call an apostolic a modalist, some of them will be like, yeah, okay. And then some of them are like, no, we're not, we're not modalists from like the third century. So I'm like, yeah, let me talk to him. Like I, I used to be apostolic. I, I can kind of, I can relate to him a little bit better and, and not accidentally straw man. You know what I mean? Yeah, dude. Oh man. I'm so pumped, dude. Uh, because that that has been my biggest criticism and you know by the end of, like I don't expect and I know you don't expect either because I think we've been enough of these conversations to know like if we try to convert one another to the view then we're just both going to leave miserable you know what I mean like we're just going to further entrench our sides exactly. I don't want this to be in any way like an argument or a debate dude um that's beautiful man because I'm in the same I'm in the same boat um, and in fact, we'll get more into it. I'm, I'm less interested, like, yeah, you know, we'll probably articulate the Trinitarian side, especially your view. Cause I know you have a view of like, you were oneness. Now you're Trinitarian. Um, and for me, I'm kind of like, I'm oneness till, you know, the day I die or until, you know, the good Lord comes down on a unicorn with a, with a frosty and a whopper and tells me, Hey bro, actually, uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, but, but for real though, like it's, it's, because I feel like now we're in the 21st century. I feel like theology should be a more, I don't feel like theology should be as um, volatile as political conversations are. And yeah. I feel like it's the most cutthroat. So it is, it's, and so it's going to be really cool. So I think I want to, I think we'll probably end up in more of that conversation where we mostly agree um, because I think our disagreements are obvious, you know what I mean? Yeah, um, they're pretty, they're black and white. Yes. So, and that is, and that's okay, you know? Um, 
what a I'm trying to I'm going to pull up because there's a very important question I have to ask you. Um, and I know I'm starting off with a really hard question. Um, what is your favorite kind of food, bro? That's probably the hardest question I'm going to answer all night. Really? <laughs> um, so you won't be ever on my bad side if you give me really any kind of pizza. So even the worst pizza is like, well, hey, it's still pizza. Like it's still pretty good. Um, but it really just depends on the day. Like I'm, I'm in no way, shape or form a small guy. So just loving food in general. But I mean, just the variety of pizza, like there's Chicago style, there's New York style. There's all these fast food chains that make you horribly sick after you eat them, but they're delicious. Like I'm, I'm, I have no prejudice toward pizza whatsoever. That's awesome. I do have to ask you the age old question though. Yeah. Are you, do you like the thin crust? I know you're, but do you prefer thin crust or do you like the like pie kind of pizza? Okay. There's a really specific answer to this. Come so on. I had Chicago pizza first when I was in Chicago. I went out there for a, a new higher orientation for this job I got. And yeah. I went to one of the most authentic places in Chicago and me being a big boy, I love pie as it is. I'm like, oh, this is the way. <laughs> this is um everything else is heresy, right? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, but then I actually went to New York City on my job. And I was like, I really need to see what real authentic New York style pizza is. And the, the sauce that they use in most of those places, it's just sweeter. Mm -hmm. And I would have to say that tipped the scales in, in New York style's favor. I, I still okay. love Chicago English, but okay. I think what's cool too is you can eat more than two pieces of New York style and not feel like you're gonna die afterwards. Because <laughs> Chicago pizza is like that thick. It's bigger yeah. than an actual piece of pie. So you can't barely get past two pieces. Right. I think when we went to Chicago, oh man, it was I was probably 21 or 22 when I could eat like that um and not pay for it later. Um, dude, I got like I think maybe like this much done of my my pizza pizza, you know, in that Chicago because it was just stacked with meat and sauce and cheese. Um, it was glorious. I loved it. It's amazing. Never, yeah, so miserable and satisfied all the same. But <laughs> yeah, so I'm I'm more of a Chicago style pizza. My wife, she's New York, so I mean, um, you know, like I said, y'all can be pizza heretics. It's fine. I don't even care. Sorry. <laughs> Everyone already thinks I'm a heretic in some shape or form. Exactly. Like what I've, what I've learned being on social media, because I, I have a, a little bit of a following on TikTok. Um, it doesn't matter what you affirm ever. Someone will always think you're a heretic. You can literally change the opposite of your views. And then the people on the opposite side are like, yeah, you're a heretic to us now. Yeah. So yeah okay. Just embrace it. <laughs> you know, what is it, bro? Um, I don't know if you've heard the episode we did with uh, Dr. Liberto. I just watched that. Mm, today's Monday. No, Friday. Friday and Saturday, I watched it. Bro, I love the quote he said is like one man's, and I'm not going to quote it verbatim because I just don't remember, but it was one man's heresy is another man's orthodoxy. Yeah. Yeah. And that's very, very true. Um, because like I said, in conversations like this, in conversations I hear like this, every trinitarian it was like well let's prove why trinity is right and let's prove why oneness is right and it was all i mean 
I give credit where credit is due because they were at least having a conversation. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's real. And I think that that deserves some respect, some hats off to both sides for even sitting down to do that. And what I think is equally true, I watched as it was just kind of, and correct me if I'm using the wrong term, but almost like confirmation bias. Cause if you went in there being a oneness, you were kind of further affirmed, like, you know, oneness. And if you went in there being Trinitarian, you were just further affirmed, like, Oh man, those Trinity theologians like smoke roasted those guys. And you right. know what I mean? like, I, I don't know if, uh, Oh, what is it? Uh, like the, the clickbaity things of like, one is Pentecostals destroy Trinitarians. And then the same video can say Trinitarian destroys oneness Pentecostals. Um, That's going to get people to watch. Exactly. Bro. I mean, look, I clicked it because like, you know, so I'm, I'm really interested. I want to hear um, your story because the next question, I guess the next item on the agenda is who are you? What breaks your heart? But I feel like you can probably answer that through telling your story. So um, your oneness, now you're a uh, Trinitarian. So what was your process? And, and you still love Jesus, you know? Absolutely. Um, so what, it, so what was your process? What was your journey to where you were and to where you are now? Yeah. So I was raised in an independent apostolic church, raised very confidently and, and staunchly oneness. I was fifth generation in my family. So my mom, my grandparents, um, if you saw pictures of my family, like the the hairdos, the women hairdos, you'd be like, yeah, they're oh, apostolic. <laughs> oh, the PhDs, right? The Pentecostal hairdos. But um, <laughs> when I was 13, we had left that independent church and we actually started attending an ALJC church on the other side of town. Mm-hmm. And um, man, this ALJC church was really where I grew my teen years into my young adult years. I, my dad committed suicide when I was 14. And oh, the pastor of that dude. church... Uh, it's, I mean, God's kept me, right? And yeah, if it right. weren't for him, I wouldn't have been kept. Um, but the pastor of that church really became a father figure for me, really kind of um, helped me with progressing into being a man the older I got. Uh, and then he didn't like this, but I told him when I was 21, 20, 20 or 21, it was back in 2014. I was like, hey, I really want to go to Bible college. I was like, yeah, I really want to go. He's like, I'll endorse the application for you, but I I just really don't want this. And so I went and, um, you know, you really see some things with mostly pastors, kids, uh, uh, but that's, that's not why I I left. Um, But there along the way, I was playing the drums for hyphen events and things like that. And there was just one in particular, um, I'm sure you know who that is. So he said something that kind of struck me once and he he was preaching the hyphen conference and he was like, you know, all these other churches can have the lights and the music, but they don't have the anointing like apostolics do. And I'm like, wait a second. Like that was just the first time I ever, I'm like, well, hold on. Like we just sang all their music though, (laughs) that we think is anointed. And I'm like, there's, there's kind of a conflict here. This isn't adding up. And I'm like, it's okay. It's fine. Um, and I still embraced oneness. Like I thought Acts 238 was it, like the way we were taught to read it. I thought that was just like turn or burn, but the, the, the dress code and the exclusivity of like, we're the only anointed people. And you've got to, to adhere to these standards. When I was finding less and less biblical support for it, I was like, okay, I'm not with the 
I'm not with the standards, but I'm still oneness. So when I came back home from Bible college, um, I had attended between the ALJC church I grew up in, spent most of my teen years in. And then there was a new ex-UPC church that had left, the pastor had left the UPC. So he starts his own church plant after leaving the UPC. And so I'm kind of helping out between both those churches. The ALJC church pastor, he's like, hey, you need to pick between one or the other. Because if I'm going to let you play drums, you're going to be on the platform. You've got to be paying your tithes here. And I was like, well, about that. (laughs) So I went to... um, I went to this ex-UPC church that was a little bit more um, lenient on standards, and I had met um, a pastor, like a young pastor couple, and they started, they were starting a church plant, and I was like, oh yeah, I can help out with this, because the other one church did not believe baptism in Jesus' name was required anymore, and speaking in tongues was required anymore. They still did it, but they said faith in Jesus is what saves, but you still get baptized in Jesus name and filled with the Holy spirit as a subsequent thing. So in the, in the old oneness divide, there's a very small number, but back in the early 1900s, there were the three steppers, like the people who followed acts 238 steps one through three. And then there were the one steppers and the one steppers were like, Hey, you just have faith, just repent, you're saved. And then you do the other things as obedience or like speaking in tongues, isn't required, but it's still something you should strive after. And for me, I was still pretty staunch on Acts 238. And so when I found that out, I was like, no, we got to get out of here. So I go help this church plant. They seem a little bit more lenient on standards at first, because they're trying to be progressive and evangelistic to get people to to come. And uh, eventually things had gotten really quiet from the guy I was helping out. And there was some dispute between him and the mother church, um, we tried to move our church to a, we moved our church from a, an elementary school to a theater. Theater was bigger. And um, they let people on the platform with earrings and, and cut hair and women wearing jeans. And um, the pastor of the, the bigger church in Dallas was like, hey, that's, that's a no-go. Like, you can't do that. And so they kind of had their dispute about that. Um, And Diana, my wife, she had been wearing jeans on Sunday mornings. And like up until this dispute, that was it was never an issue. We were serving. We were there hours before. We were hanging out with them hours after we were I was doing announcements. Diana was heading up the daycare. And then it got to this thing um, where the the guy was helping out. He backtracked on standards and he was trying to go back. And I'm like, oh, no, this is. This is inconsistent to me. So we met up and we had like a four hour long talk. And um, I just I just kept really trying to bring like Deuteronomy 22, first Corinthians 11, all the passages that that apostolics go to to make their case for standards. And I'm like, listen, man, like exegetically, you, you can't really make a solid case for why my wife can't wear pants. And like you seem to agree with me about this a few months ago. And it just boiled down to, he asked us, do you really think you were as close to God as you could have been when you decided that wearing pants or Diana wearing pants was okay? And I'm like, that's, I'm like, yeah, I mean, I, I'm trying to abide in the word and I'm trying to make a long story short, right? Not give all the laundry, but it eventually boiled down to, well, yeah, you can still attend here, but you can't, uh, right. I didn't even think 
Andre when I said ah, that. Yeah. <laughs> but it, basically the, the pastor and his wife just said, you can still attend, but you can't serve anymore if Diana's not going to start wearing skirts to church. And I'm like, just inherently this seems hypocritical because we've been with you for about a year diana's worn like change between skirts and jeans it was just never an issue and now all of a sudden it's an issue and that really had pushed me to the point because it, it was heard on a deep level they were our only friends right and it, it felt kind of like the way i was a few weeks ago and i'm the same person now it's now all of a sudden it's not good enough so i really just started to wonder i'm like is the apostolic Pentecostal faith the true faith that's representative of the church? And so that confirmation bias you were talking about, where we watch debates, if you're a oneness, you always think the oneness yeah. guy wins. If you're a Trinitarian, you always think the Trinitarian wins. I really, I just said, hey, I'm going to suspend all my biases. And this was not some overnight thing, right? right. Yeah, it, it, was, yeah. right. it was nine months of just pain and prayer and studying scripture and there was one debate do you know who steve Ritchie is do you ever watch any of his stuff mm -hmm. yeah and he's passed on now but he had a debate with a man named sam shamoon um they had two debates and the first one was is the trinity in the old in the new testament and i was like uh oh, sam kind of got him on that one because i think the case for the trinity is easier to make in the new testament because the persons are more distinguished like you see that father son holy spirit language a little bit more prominently in the new testament but then the second debate was is the trinity in the old testament i'm like there is no way like all the personal pronouns yahweh is only one in person you know deuteronomy 6 4 and sam had really busted out exegesis and he distinguished the angel of the lord the angel of yahweh the capital a angel from yahweh that was unseen and he, he referenced the spirit of Yahweh. And that debate to me, it, it left, I really wanted Steve Ritchie to win. I was, I was like really upset. And I'm like, this kind of, this nine month journey I've been on, just trying to have no presuppositions, no bias whatsoever. If anything, trying to vie for the, the oneness position that debate really left me without excuse. And I, and I, I just think I was I said to myself, I think I'm a Trinitarian now. And it was very unsettling. It was not some, I didn't feel like I had won some victory. It, it was like very unsettling yeah. and very upsetting, wow. but my conscience, you know, it, having a good conscience is one of those themes in first Peter three that we're called to do. And I'm like, you have to be true to yourself. And I, I just, I remember saying, I, I think I'm Trinitarian. And I started to wade out in those waters. And it's one of those things now that my confirmation bias had shifted and I had seen what I think to be true exegesis, not trying to impose a tradition because they didn't go the church history route, but just straight from the text, the distinction of father, son, spirit as divine persons. Um, uh, but I, the more and more I studied and the more and more I began to read whole passages, I just saw it as inescapable. Here's, here's one critique or one way, I'm not saying all apostolics are taught like this, but in my way coming up, um, it really was just some bulleted individual verses like Deuteronomy 6, 4, Isaiah 44, 6, Isaiah 9, 6. Then you hop over to the New Testament. All these passages put together that seem 
to make oneness undefeatable. And I, I realized, so I, I put some of those passages back in their chapters and I'd begin to read the whole chapters and even the whole books where a lot of times in, in the oneness churches I grew up in, that didn't happen. And I just saw some very, I'm like, oneness can't, to me, oneness can't make sense of these passages that distinguish the father and, and Jesus as two personal subjects beyond the divinity and flesh kind of distinction mm -hmm. that oneness makes. So that's really where I've been. And then since then, so I it came out of oneness. I'm like, well, I'm still Pentecostal. So yeah. I attended a church of God for a while. And then the more I learned about charismatic movement, the pandemic really shut us in our house, right? So wasn't going to the church building. And I was watching a lot of stuff on YouTube about the charismatic movement. I watched some Justin Peters. I watched Chris Roseborough, like Fighting for the Faith. And um, just, they, they always go straight to the text, straight to the Greek and Hebrew. And they really taught me things that I had never cared to look up because I felt validated. I'm like, oh, I, I cry at the altar call. I feel the Holy Spirit. I don't need to change my beliefs. Like everything's going good. And then I saw some abuses from the charismatic movement, apostolic and church of God. And I'm like, oh, I don't think that's godly. So I, I kindly, kind of slowly seeped into a cessationist role. And I can define what I mean by cessationist later, if you'd like. Um, and then I study the doctrines of grace or Calvinism. A lot of people shudder when they hear that word. Um, and that's how I am settled now in a reformed uh, Presbyterian kind of role, but with a, a heavy, heavy focus on the Trinity. No, that was long-winded, so sorry, but hey, that's, that's pretty much everything. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, man, that was actually really good. And that's a good, uh, I think all of your criticisms are, you know, fair, you know, and I think I want to remind our listeners, this isn't Andrew saying, if you don't believe the way I do, you're completely wrong because I have all the answers. Um, and of course, like I'll, I'll address a couple things, but even that it's not me having the answers. Like this isn't a, you're not going to see on this thumbnail, Andrew destroys Matt or Matt. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you don't put that as the author of the video. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that is the most Matt destroys Andrew posted by Matt there you go. yeah also I have another video that says why I'm the humblest most humble man on earth Matt Gomez you know it's, it's a whole thing you're um, pulling a Moses yeah sure <laughs> <laughs> Moses this concludes part one of our three-part conversation with Andrew Elliott go show him some love on Instagram and TikTok at Andrew does apologetics and be on the lookout for the next episode next Monday. If you like this and want to see some other things like this, give us a visit on our YouTube channel as well as our social media pages. And if you would like to support what we do and help us create more quality content, go over to our website and order some TA Squared merch. Appreciate all of you TA Squares. Have a great week and God bless.